Part two, chapter twelve of War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. The Slippervox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Chapter twelve. In the afternoon, Prince Andre and Pierre got into the calash and started for Luisia Gure. Prince Andre occasionally glanced at Pierre and broke the silence with remarks, showing that he was now in the very happiest frame of mind. Pointing to the fields, he told him about his agricultural improvements. Pierre preserved a moody silence, replied in monosyllables, and seemed to be immersed in his thoughts. Pierre felt that Prince Andre was unhappy, that he was deluding himself, that he was ignorant of the true light, and that it was his duty to come to his aid, to enlighten him and lift him up. But as soon as Pierre tried to think what and how he should speak, he was seized with the consciousness that Prince Andre, by a single word, by a single argument, might destroy everything in his teaching and he was afraid to begin. He was afraid of exposing to the possibility of ridicule the beloved ark of his convictions. "'No, but why should you think so?' suddenly began Pierre, lowering his head and taking the aspect of a bull about to charge. "'What makes you think so? You have no right to think so.' "'To think how?' asked Prince Andre in amazement. "'About life, about man's destination. It cannot be.' I used to think exactly the same way. And do you know what saved me? Freemasonry. No, don't smile. Freemasonry is not a religious, a ceremonial sect, as I once supposed, but it is something much better. It is the one expression of the best, of the eternal in humanity. And Pierre began to expound Freemasonry to Prince André as he understood it. He declared that Freemasonry was the doctrine of Christianity freed from political and religious dogmatic bonds, the doctrine of equality, fraternity, and love. Our sacred brotherhood only has a practical conception of life. Everything else is visionary, said Pierre. You must comprehend, my dear fellow, that outside of this fraternity, everything is full of falsehood and deception, and I agree with you that for an intelligent and good man nothing is left except to live out his life as you do, merely striving not to interfere with anyone. But once adopt our fundamental principles, join our confraternity, come with us heart and soul, allow yourself to be guided, and you will immediately perceive, just as I did, that you are part of a tremendous, invisible chain, the beginning of which is hidden in heaven, said Pierre. Prince André, silently looking straight ahead, listened to Pierre's discourse. Several times, when owing to the rumble of the carriage he failed to catch a word, he asked Pierre to repeat it. Pierre could see by the unusual gleam in Prince André's eyes and by his silence that his words were not without effect, that Prince André would not throw ridicule on what he said. They reached a river where there was a freshet, and which had to be crossed by ferry. While they were arranging for the disposition of calash and horses, the two young men went down upon the ferry-boat. Prince André, leaning his elbows on the railing, looked in silence down along the brimming river, which gleamed under the rays of the setting sun. "'Well, what do you think about it?' asked Pierre. "'Why are you so silent?' "'What do I think? "'I have been listening to what you said, that's all,' said Prince André. "'You say, join our confraternity, "'and we will teach you the purpose of life "'and the object of man's existence "'and the laws that govern the world. "'But who are we? "'Simply men. "'How do you know all that? "'Why is it that I am the only one "'who fails to see what you are privileged to see?' You see a kingdom of goodness and truth on earth, but that is what I do not see. Pierre interrupted him. 
do you believe in the future life he asked in the future life repeated prince andrei but pierre gave him no time to reply and took for granted that this very repetition of his words was a denial the more so because he had known of old prince andrei's atheistical convictions you say you cannot see the kingdom of goodness and truth on earth and i do not see it and it is impossible to see it if we look upon our life here as the end of all things on the earth especially on this earth here pierre pointed toward a field there is no truth it is all lies and evil but in the universe in the whole universe is the kingdom of truth and now we are the children of the earth in eternity we are the children of the whole universe do i not feel in my own soul that i constitute a part of this mighty harmonious whole do i not have the consciousness that in this enormous innumerable collection of beings in which godhead is manifest supreme force if you prefer the term that i constitute one link one step between the lower orders of creation and the higher ones if i see clearly see this ladder which rises from the plant to man then why should i suppose that it stops at me and does not lead higher and ever higher i know that just as nothing is ever annihilated in the universe so i can never perish but shall always exist and always have existed i know that besides myself spirits must exist above me and that truth is in this universe yes that is herder's doctrine said prince andrei but that is not enough to convince me my dear but life and death are what convince you are convinced when you see a being who is dear to you who is bound to you by sacred ties toward whom you have done wrong and have hoped to atone for the wrong prince andrei's voice trembled and he turned his head away and suddenly this being suffers is tormented and ceases to be why is it it cannot be that there is no answer and i believe that there is one that is what convinces a man that is what has convinced me said prince andrei yes yes exclaimed pierre and isn't that exactly what i said no i merely maintain that arguments do not convince one of the necessity of a future life but this when you go through life hand in hand with a companion and suddenly that companion vanishes there into the nowhere and you are left standing by this gulf and straining your eyes to look into it and i have looked in well then you know that there is a there and that there is a someone there is the future life the someone is god prince andrei made no reply the horses had been long harnessed again into the calash on the other bank and the ferriage fees paid and already the sun was half hidden and the evening frost was beginning to skim over the pools by the ferry with crystal stars and still pierre and andrei to the amazement of the servants the drivers and the ferry hands stood on the ferry-boat talking if there is a god and a future life then truth must exist then virtue must exist and man's highest happiness consists in striving to attain them we must live we must love we must believe pierre was saying believe not that we exist for a to-day on this lump of earth but that we have lived and shall live for ever yonder in the hole he pointed to the sky prince andrei was standing with his elbows resting on the railing of the ferry-boat and listening to pierre and without turning away his eyes he gazed at the red disk of the sun reflecting in the brimming river pierre came to a pause it was perfectly still 
the boat had long been moored and only the ripples of the current glided by the bottom of the boat with a faint murmur it seemed to prince andrei that this lapping of the waves corroborated pierre's words and murmured it is true have faith in it prince andrei smiled and with a radiant childlike tender expression looked into pierre's flushed and enthusiastic face which nevertheless showed that shyness peculiar to him in the presence of a friend of superior attainments ah yes if it were only so said he but let us be starting added prince andrei and as he stepped off the boat he glanced at the sky to which pierre called his attention and for the first time since austerlitz he saw those lofty eternal heavens which he had looked into as he lay on the battlefield and something long dormant something that was the better part of himself suddenly awoke with new and joyful life in the soul this feeling vanished as soon as prince andrei fell back again into the ordinary conditions of existence but he knew that this feeling though he was unable to develop it still lived in him his meeting with pierre was for prince andrei an epoch with which to begin his new life not indeed to outward sight which remained unchanged but in the inner world of his consciousness End of chapter 12